0: Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans, let's get started. Joining me today is Austin Berg, who literally wrote the book on how to fix Chicago governance and has followed Illinois' public corruption for most of his career. Austin, thanks for joining us today to talk about the latest developments with Mike Madigan and corruption reform.
1: You're welcome. It's very exciting.
0: Lots going on. Mm -hmm. So what did Madigan actually get indicted for?
1: So I was just looking this up before the podcast. He got indicted on federal racketeering charges. And I honestly, when that happened, did not know what racketeering meant. So I went to the Wikipedia page. Here's the definition a type of organized crime in which the perpetrators set up a coercive, fraudulent, extortionary, or otherwise illegal coordinated scheme or operation, parentheses, a racket to repeatedly or consistently collect a profit. So this guy was running a racket and it's called uh, in the indictment, the Madigan Enterprise. And what the Madigan Enterprise essentially was, was a scheme, a racket to use the public policy process to give private benefit to Madigan and his allies. That, in the simplest terms, is what the indictment is about.
0: A racket. We'll come back to that. I like that. What a good umbrella term for yeah. a lot of the things that are wrong in Illinois.
1: And I think the, what's interesting about this racket is that it's very different than the racket of patronage that we've grown to know about or is sort of like cartoonishly depicted in Illinois, which was a real thing in the Daily administration where, and Madigan came up in this administration, his, his first job was a patronage job for the Daily administration. He worked on a garbage truck. His dad was like a local ward superintendent, got out the vote for people. At that time in Chicago and in other places in Illinois, you explicitly, as part of your job, your public taxpayer funded job, your responsibility could be getting out the vote for a candidate. And if you got this many votes out, you could get a job for the for the state or for the city right that was legal that happened uh and there were there was a uh series of consent decrees in the 70s and 80s called the shackman decrees that essentially outlawed that brazen type of corruption where it's like you vote for me and support me you get a job in the public sector so Madigan came up in that system. He definitely had patronage hires in that system. There's a great interview with him uh, on the history of the Daily Machine that he did for UIC. It's one of the few times he's actually spoken about his own career, where he talks about everyone wanted to be a ward superintendent because we knew the power of the patronage system. So he knew that from a very young age. But that patronage system in its, in its you know, old-school uh, construction was made illegal by the time he was speaker. So really the way Madigan built his patronage army was not only through state and local government, but it was also through these other means that are kind of quasi-government or outside government. One of them, a great example, is ComEd, which is really at the center of this indictment. ComEd essentially requires state legislation to do anything. like Their whole business depends on what rates uh, they're allowed to charge customers set in state law. So if you're ComEd you really care about what Mike Madigan thinks about you, and you really want to make Mike Madigan happy. And what this indictment alleges is Madigan was able to name a, a board seat for this huge publicly traded company. Uh, he had this whole internship program where he could get people jobs at ComEd. Uh, he had basically lobbyists that they wanted, he wanted them to hire. Uh, that was one example. And another example, which we can talk about later, is on the government sector union side. So one of the first big things Madigan did when he became Speaker was cozy up to government sector unions. Those unions gave him his political muscle, they gave him millions of dollars over the course of his career, and in exchange they got really lucrative taxpayer-funded deals. So that is sort of like old-school patronage, I think is sort of the cartoon in people's minds. This is sort of the, the Madigan machine was a little bit different than that, but just as corrupt.
0: So we'll pause on the idea of the machine and come back to it too, because before you and I got started recording here, Um, we were talking about how many public corruption convictions Illinois sees every week. So the stat that we remembered was we see one public corruption conviction per week. We've seen that for the past three decades. I think there's this temptation when there's action on someone like Madigan or against someone like Madigan. Okay, we're we're going to put him away. He's the bad guy. We caught him. We're going to put him away. And and the temptation is to say problem solved.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But if federal convictions were the answer, we would not have a public corruption problem in Illinois. And in spite of having probably the most federal corruption convictions in the country, we're still the most corrupt state in the country. So is the Madigan conviction going to change anything?
1: Great question. So yeah, everyone, (laughs) this is tough because like, remember when Madigan was uh, made, was basically voted out as speaker, which is crazy, which would have been inconceivable, like As recently as five years ago, that they would vote him out as Speaker. A common response, just because of how cynical many people rightfully are about Illinois politics, was like, yeah, what? Like, new boss, same as the old boss. Like, no big deal, right? Um, We shouldn't say that about Madigan getting indicted. It's a big deal. This is the most powerful state politician in the history of American politics. He did bad things. He should be punished for his actions. It's really good that he was indicted and that people will be able to follow this trial and really learn the extent of his corruption. That's good. But as you said, if federal corruption convictions were the answer to corruption, we would be the least corrupt state, not the most. So you have to fix other things about the the system in Illinois. Um, The state is systemically corrupt. It's not just a bad apple problem and lawmakers way too often, the governor especially dismisses this stuff as God, just a, you know, a couple bad apples, like we just got to get these guys out. And that is such a terrible ethical uh, framing of this whole thing because that's that's the view of there's some bad apples. We'll just wait for these feds to like come in on white horses and chop their heads off and then government will be clean. That clearly hasn't worked. You have to change other things. So uh, one thing that's really, really uh, essential is to empower the legislative inspector general Uh Chicago has a much more powerful inspector general than the state even does, uh, and ours should be at least as powerful as that. This is the person who's responsible for investigating lawmaker misconduct in the House and the Senate, so it would have been the person responsible for investigating uh, Madigan unethical dealings, and that position is totally a paper tiger. It's a lap dog, not a watchdog. It needs to be empowered. Um, some other things that are really simple, there needs to be a, discussion, a legitimate discussion on term limits and fair maps. You need to make sure that Lawmakers are accountable to their voters. You don't get that when there's gerrymandered maps and no term limits. People can essentially capture a district and stay there forever, which is what Madigan did. Um, There are so many other things. Conflicts of interest. We still operate on the honor system for state lawmakers. If I have, uh, say, a property tax appeals business and one of my clients has an interest in a bill moving through Springfield, there's still no real penalty if I do vote on that. Which is insane. So it's basically, you're saying, lawmakers, you disclose your conflicts of interest, we'll trust you uh, to to do what's right. We should, we're clearly at a point where we shouldn't be doing that. Uh, and then, which we can talk about this in a bit, but um, there's a ballot question on the November ballot that essentially would just make these unethical deals, like we talked about with government sector unions in Madigan, where they fund his campaign, they give tons of manpower uh, and canvassers and door knockers to Madigan's campaign, and in return, get extraordinary power over taxpayers in illinois that's unethical, uh, but if this amendment were to pass, that arrangement has constitutional protections that's in our constitution. it's bigger than any voter, bigger than any lawmaker it's that corruption's in our constitution, so people should also vote no on that
0: let 's talk about that now um. So that amendment that you referenced is Amendment 1. It's a ballot question that's going to appear on the November 8th ballot. Uh, Everyone's going to have to vote yes or no. Well, you don't have to, but you have the option (laughs) to. Um, And so you recently published an op-ed in the Chicago Tribune, which I saved because I was so proud of it because it was so good. Um, And I really liked the way you teed this up. So I'm going to read this little excerpt here. And then I want you to tell me how Madigan – is tied into everything that's going on with this. So it's really, this is, it's funny because um, you know that backers of Amendment 1 call it the workers' rights amendment. And you ask who wouldn't support that? But that's not what this is, right? So what what is Amendment 1? And then how is all of this big picture tied into this corrupt system that Madigan is is getting taken down for today?
1: Yeah, so Madigan became Speaker of the House in Illinois in 1983. In 1983, Illinois had the best credit rating of any state in the nation. We were like the house on the block with the white picket fence, with like a sensible car, good paint job, you know, two and a half kid household. Like we were like the Joneses of state governments in 1983. Now our house is like being repossessed and it's infested with termites and the, the door's falling off and it's partially on fire. We have the worst credit rating in the nation now. And we are a fiscal basket case. We're the only state that had to borrow from the federal government when COVID hit, for example. Uh, how did that happen? Well, you had a man who's, whose most important vote was the vote for speaker every two years. It wasn't tax policy, it wasn't fiscal decisions, it wasn't like funding public schools, it wasn't anything ideological. It was, I need more power so I can continue to be speaker, reward myself and reward my friends for 30 plus years. That, was, that arrangement was mainly between Madigan himself as the speaker and government sector unions. These are people like AFSME, like uh, the Illinois Federation of Teachers, Illinois Educators Association, SEIU. These, the bosses at those unions, and this is not to cast aspersions on anyone who's a member of those unions or works in public service, it's honorable to do that. But There were corrupt dealings where they funded Madigan's campaigns at his behest, the campaigns of his members. They gave him political muscle and manpower. And in exchange, he took out billions of dollars in debt, hiked billions of dollars in taxes to pay for all of those things. We're feeling the consequences of that now. That's the reason taxes are so high in Illinois and our debt is so high, because of those corrupt dealings. So now Madigan's gone but we have this constitutional amendment on the ballot that would basically say, hey, all those really corrupt deals that you made where you gave this special interest group so much power, for example, the ability to go on strike over tons of different sorts of things, uh, way more than any of our neighboring states. So you can hold taxpayers hostage till you get a better deal. Um, unelected arbitration. So if Uh, I'm the union and I'm bargaining with the government, with politicians that I help to fund, and I don't get a deal I like. I can just kind of stomp my feet and, and plug my ears, and then it goes to an unelected judge who will say, here's what's fair. And that's funded using taxpayer money. It's not democratic at all. Those types of deals that were made, if this amendment passes, have constitutional protections. So what does that mean practically? It means taxes and debt are gonna continue to go up in perpetuity. It means continued chaos and discord in our schools because unions will have way more power than parents or voters or taxpayers uh, permanently in the Constitution. It also overrules all sorts of really common sense laws that we have on the books to make sure that uh, school children, for example, are safe. There's background checks for people who are working in children and family services. There's a law that the sheriff should be a US citizen, for example, all those things are up for debate at the bargaining table if this passes. So essentially it puts Madigan's legacy in the Constitution is what that piece is about.
0: So you've gone all over the country, you, did, you wrote the book The New Chicago Way, which isn't necessarily about Madigan or public corruption solely, but it talks about ways that we could make the system better. And you've been covering Madigan for years and years. And when you go around to other states and you talk about what's going on here, this racket that you described, what do other people say? Can
1: they believe it? They can't really believe it. The one conviction per week thing, I find people are like, what? Like, is this a, like some third world dictatorship? Like, how is there one a week for that long? One public public corruption conviction per week. That's crazy. The other thing I notice is in Illinois forever, the Madigan issue was so partisan. Like if you criticize Madigan, you must be like a hardcore Republican and you just hate Democrats. But if you talk to a Democrat in any other state, they're like, oh yeah, clearly that's very corrupt. Like that's, that's really bad. And me as a, as a Democrat or a progressive holding these views, it's not good that one guy has so much power of the state legislature for 36 years. That's clearly not good. Um, so, yeah, I find that in other states, the corruption issue isn't as, like, partisan. And because political power has been held in the Democratic Party in Illinois for so long, it just seems that way to us, that, like, hey, if you empower the legislative inspector you general, if you have term limits, all those things are, like, Republican ideas. That's not the case in other states. Um, and, and it shouldn't be, because guess what? Illinois Republicans have corruption problems, too. Uh, it's a bipartisan problem. And need bipartisan solutions.
0: All right. Well, this story is not over. There will be more news about Madigan. Obviously, more work to be done on ethics reform. So we'll have you back to talk again. Thanks for joining us, Austin. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode
1: of The Policy Shop.